Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 51 of Grow Bud Yourself. We have a great show for you guys today. Uh, In honor of the NFL draft, we're going to be doing a NFL pot draft. Uh, Our guest is Remo Colasanti, Urban Remo, uh, from YouTube and Instagram and all the amazing uh, things that he's accomplished over the years. We have our strain of the fortnight. We've got our cultivation segment. We're talking hybrid vigor. We're answering grow questions from you guys. It's going to be an awesome show. We're very excited. It's all brought to you by Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Diamond Cut Co. Trimming Scissors, and Rocket Seeds. Stick around. Episode 51 coming at you. Hey, you guys, I really want to thank our sponsors from Excelsior Extracts. These are great friends of the show, uh, great friends of mine for many years, incredible growers, incredible people, and they have made some incredible products as well, including their THC-infused pain rub. And you know it works because you're talking about people who are real, true cannabis medical patients that are making this. Just want to shout out Outcast and, and uh, TOH. Check them out on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. Excelsior Extracts. DM them if you're interested in trying out that pain relief rub. Tell them Grow Bud Yourself sent you. And uh, yeah, man, thank you to uh, T and O from Excelsior for sponsoring the show and being just such great friends and supporters. All right, we are back and it's episode 51, you guys. Awesome. Thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the song as always. Episode 51, Mike G, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, 51. Do you do you have a uh, a number reference for the episode? <laughs> wow, all I can think of is Area 51. I think that's okay. where like that's where all the aliens are mm-hmm. are stored. Yes. I <laughs> spent many a, a stoned night as a teenager contemplating uh, Area 51. Yeah, less less so as an adult. Right. Wasn't there weren't, weren't they supposed to storm Area 51 at some point? There was Yeah, be a... I think they did or you know, like seven or eight people did but nonetheless i believe they tried all right well here is episode 51 and Mm -hmm. uh we took a week off uh we did have a little break there it's been a year of weekly episodes and we refocus our energies and come back strong uh we got episode 51 here for you guys and uh we did a segment on the show over the years you know the the old show and the new show uh called sports on drugs Sports on drugs. Sports on drugs. And I I still think it's 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 a decent idea for a, a show of its own. And Dan wants guys, to do like a morning talk show, like call in sports talk show called Sports on Drugs. He's been talking about it for years. Yeah, Mike and the Stone Dog. You could be the Mike and I could <laughs> uh-huh. be the Stone Dog. And uh <laughs> Mike Dan and the Chem Dog. What are you talking about? 
Steinbrenner doesn't know nothing. <laughs> you know, we could yeah. just do a whole thing where the mellowest sports talk show in New York. I like it. No, but I do think you know, there's a lot of stoners that that uh, that love sports, mm-hmm. right? And there's so many. I mean, there's we're not just talking about the traditional, you know, NBA, NFL. I mean, there's esports these days. There's disc golf. There's regular golf. There's soccer golf. You know, Quidditch. Yeah, yeah, Quidditch. You know, there's just all these sports out there, uh, and uh, no one really covering them in uh, from the stoner's perspective. So true. Yeah. So yeah, but this this is actually a very special uh, sports on drugs. As Dan mentioned, the uh, the NFL draft is taking place. It begins in about an hour from when we're recording, but it will already be, I think, in day two when you guys are listening to this. And I, lo- I love I love the NFL draft. I'm super excited about it. But yeah, so what, what we thought we would do, Dan and I, would, would draft an all-time cannabis football team. So, so what we're going to do is uh, we've, we've kind of selected uh, a few players and we're going to draft them one by one. And, uh, you know, just because there needs to be some ground rules, a lot of players post-career have come out either in favor of allowing uh, cannabis in the NFL like Eugene Monroe or Nate Jackson, guys like that. Other guys, uh, you know, Marshawn Lynch is starting a cannabis company and uh, Calvin Johnson, Megatron. So there's a lot of guys that that didn't get caught uh, smoking weed during their career that are embracing it post-career. We are excluding them from this draft. Just for the purposes of this draft, this is only going to be limited to guys that actually got caught smoking cannabis during their NFL career. Wow. Okay. Makes well, sense. Definitely. Yeah. It excludes a lot, though. <laughs> it excludes a lot. Yeah. But, you know, but, okay. it, makes it, a little, makes it a little easier. Yeah. And uh, just sure. one other note uh, for those who have no interest whatsoever in this. I'm going to put time codes in the episode description so, to show you where to skip to to get to the interview with Remo. But anyway, for everyone else, this is the draft. Uh, do you think maybe we should flip for it to see who goes first? Let's do it. All right. I got a coin here. So you call it in the air. Ready? I'm calling heads. And it is. It is head. So Danny will have the first pick. Strategy depends. You could go for the best team possible. You could go for the stoniest team possible. It's your call. You're picking. So so go ahead. All right. Well, I mean, for my first pick, I think it's super obvious. And he's been a guest on the show, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which narrows it down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But I got to go with Ricky Williams. Ah. Um, Ricky, the running back, the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, you know, someone who transcends football for me in a lot of ways. Um, he had multiple suspensions. Uh, people know all about that. Um, he ended up having to leave football, actually, for a year uh, rather than submit to more suspensions and drug testing. Uh, got fined millions of dollars, uh, you know, traded, just dealt with in the worst ways. And here's a guy, uh, very intelligent, very uh, just incredible in college um, as a, a rookie in New Orleans. I mean, just uh, outstanding. Went on to the Dolphins. And the only issue that he had was cannabis. I mean, obviously, you know, he, if you watch the documentary Run, Ricky, Run, you can see that, you know, he's a he's a different kind of guy. You know, he had issues with uh I think, um, dealing with the press, social uh, anxiety, social anxiety. Exactly. He was a spokesman at one point for, uh, 
for pharmaceutical drugs even. Mm-hmm. You know, he used to wear a helmet during interviews, you know, after the game. I mean, that's how much he 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 dreaded uh, all the things outside of the game. And then to be tested all those times and suffer uh, all the suspensions and everything, it's just, it really, yeah, I guess, you know, long story short, I'm picking Ricky Williams <laughs> first. So, yeah, my first choice is going to be Ricky Williams, and uh, I'm standing by it. Yeah, that's the consensus first uh, overall pick in our little draft here. Legendary college running back, as Dan mentioned, won the Heisman Trophy. He was the fifth overall pick in 1999, and uh, people might remember if they're old enough that Mike Ditka, who was the coach of the New Orleans Saints at the time, he basically gave up the entire draft just to move up and get Ricky. Uh, I think he would have been a Hall of Famer if uh, the suspensions didn't interfere with his career. Pro bowler, uh, he led the league in rushing in 2002, ran for over 10,000 yards. Great pick, Dan. I wanted him, but you got him. So, <laughs> Who do you got? I'm going to go number two. Uh, I'm going to go with Randy Moss. Uh, Randy, Randy Moss. Legendary uh, receiver for the uh, Minnesota Vikings. He tested positive for pot back in 2001, which entered him into the league's drug screening program. Uh, but he uh, it, he was in that for two years and didn't fail another test, so he avoided a suspension. Um, but he subsequently talked about smoking cannabis during his playing career, and he did get caught just the once. You know, this is one of the greatest receivers in the history of football. He's you know he was a first round pick, rookie of the year in '98, a four time first team All Pro, a six time Pro Bowler, led the league in touchdown receptions. He has the single season touchdown reception record at 23, and he uh, was inducted into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm taking Randy Moss. All right, Randy Boss. You know, I'm in a pickle here because, you know, you, you want the stoniest team or do you want the best team? And exactly. I think I want the best team. Yeah. But I want them to be somewhat stony. Oh, they will. Uh, but I need a quarterback. So I'm going to go with Johnny Manziel. This is oh. kind of a stretch Yeah. Uh, because he was suspended by the NFL for the first four games of the 2016 season. Uh, for violating substance abuse policy. Um, now, it's unclear what substance he tested for, uh, but it is possible that it's pot. So uh, uh, I need a quarterback. What am yeah. I going to do? Yeah, he's the only quarterback we were able to include in this list because they just didn't get caught with weed in their playing careers. And it is a bit of a stretch, like Dan said, but but he has been known to indulge in cannabis from time to time and they don't release what substance you um, get busted for all the time. So we put him on because we needed a QB. Dan, got it. You have the only quarterback, so that is an advantage. Nice. Everyone knows Johnny Football, though. Heisman Trophy winner out of Texas A&M. Legendary college quarterback and then kind of legendary pro football bust. Indeed. Indeed. All right. And I'm going to go with, for my second pick, uh... The listeners at home have no idea, but the list that we have here, it's heavily dominated by offense and heavily dominated by running backs, interestingly. But I'm going to go defense because you need a good defense, and I'm going to go Von Miller. Now, Von Miller failed multiple marijuana tests in 2011. He got suspended six games for attempting to sort of cheat the tests, but he was the second overall pick in 11 He's a Super Bowl MVP in 2015, an eight-time Pro Bowler, an absolute terror out there, uh, linebacker Von Miller for the Denver Broncos. All right. Now, uh, for my pick, 
uh, I need somebody to protect Ricky, and I need somebody to protect Johnny Football. So I'm going to go with offensive lineman Leon Lett. Uh, he was suspended for four games in 1995 uh, for pot. Actually suspended three different times for drug use uh, during his career. Uh, but just, you know, a strong, strong offensive lineman. I need protection. Uh, he smokes pot. Mm-hmm. I think he's, you know, he's the guy for me. He's an interesting cat. He's the dude who, in the Super Bowl, got chased down from behind by Don Beebe um, when he recovered a fumble. It's like a kind of a legendary um, clip from, I guess it was the 95 Super Bowl. But anyway, Leon's a great pick. That's a three-time Super Bowl champ, a two-time pro bowler with the Dallas Cowboys. So good on you because you're absolutely right. You need to be strong up front. You got to protect Johnny Manziel. So I also am going to go with an offensive lineman. I'm going to go with offensive tackle Trent Williams, who currently is one of the very best in the league at the moment. Now, he got suspended for four games for failing multiple pot tests in 2011. And then, this is really kind of shameful, he he was forced to apologize for choosing to use cannabis to treat his pain instead of painkillers, which is what coaches and league officials would have preferred him to do. And he actually told the media he made the wrong choice in choosing medical cannabis, which is a shame. He got suspended for it, but don't feel too bad for Trent. He was the fourth overall pick in 2010. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler, and uh, just a couple months ago, he signed a six-year, $138 million contract with the San Francisco 49ers. All right. Okay. So he's doing okay. Doing all right. Productive potheads out there. Indeed. Um, Now, I need some defense, and I think at this point I'm going to go – with David Irving. Uh, oh, I love this tackle. one. Oh, I wanted that. <laughs> nice, nice pick. Okay. Uh, Irving was suspended for four games in 2017, uh, we think for PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, uh, but then also suspended four more games in 2018 for marijuana use. Um, then he was suspended indefinitely in 2019 for pot. At that point, Irving took to Instagram to drop a truly epic rant about marijuana and the NFL. He did this while smoking a joint uh, on his Instagram. He told his followers he was quitting football for good rather than put up with the league's ridiculous and hypocritical pot policy, which encourages the use of addictive painkillers while outlawing cannabis. Uh, we highly recommend you check out this Instagram rant. Irving's a great story. He was an undrafted free agent, made the Cowboys in 2015, and as Dan mentioned, he had this like incredible moment on Instagram where he was just hitting a blunt and telling everybody that he was quitting football so he can enjoy his life, essentially. Um, he he did come back to football. He uh, signed up with the Raiders in 2020. He hasn't seen the field much, but... He is back, and, and yeah, as Dan mentioned, I think the NFL is going to kind of revisit its cannabis testing policies, so it's it's going to be a little easier for David Irving to um, to participate in, in National League football moving forward. All right, who you got? That's a good pick right there. Um, all right, my next pick, I'm going Darren Waller. Uh, Darren Waller is the, um, the current tight end for the Las Vegas Raiders. Gosh, that's weird to say. But uh, he was suspended twice in college when he played for Georgia Tech. And he got suspended four games in 2016 for failing a marijuana test. 
He was suspended for all of 2017 for another violation of the uh, NFL's substance abuse policy, but we're not sure exactly if that second violation was pot-related. The first definitely was. He's admitted that on the record. You know, he was a six-round kind of flyer for the Ravens in 2015. He got cut from them, and they didn't really get a chance to see what he could do because of these weed suspensions. But since then, he's become one of the best tight ends in the league. He's, uh, he made the Pro Bowl last year. He put together back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons, and he even caught 107 passes last year as a tight end. So I'm going Waller. All right. Interesting. All right. Um, for me, I need someone for my QB to pass to, uh, and I'm going to go with Terry Glenn. Wide receiver Terry Glenn. Uh, he failed the drug test while he was with the Patriots in uh, 2000. Uh, That placed him in the league's substance abuse program. He was later suspended for four games for missing a drug test in 2001. Sadly, uh, Terry Glenn died in a car accident in 2017 at just 43 years old. Uh, But he's my uh, wide receiver for my team. I think I have a pretty well-rounded group of stoner uh, NFL stalwarts. For sure, yeah. It's a real bummer about Terry Glenn. He was a great receiver, and that's a very sad thing that happened there. The thing about Terry Glenn that uh, people may not remember, just a bit of trivia, he's the guy who caught the first ever career touchdown pass from one Tom Brady back in wow. uh, 1999. So, wow, yeah, yeah, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's that. Wow, right on. All right, <laughs> All right. who you got, Mike? Uh, let's move on. You know what? Uh, I've, I've taken this pretty seriously. I have some really good players on my team, and now I want to do one that's just goddamn fun. I'm taking Ontario Smith. <laughs> Ontario Smith was a running back. Uh, he put together two very mediocre seasons of play in the NFL, but the reason that we still talk about him is uh, he was suspended for weed for a year, but more importantly, uh, he was caught at an airport with a Wizenator. And for people who don't know what the Wizenator is, that is a um, rubber phallus uh, that you use to cheat a, uh, a drug urine test. Right. Exactly. It's like literally a fake penis. Yes. Uh, that and he just you... had one in his luggage, his carry-on, I guess. And uh, yeah. Interesting. Commit- yeah. Well, quite famously, uh, yeah, I know we're talking about uh, American football, but in. Uh, international football it was diego maradona who was i believe also caught with a wizenator at some point his wizenator was sold at auction for like a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> in argentina at, at some point it was like it was a very very famous phallus famous phallus um, but yes so ontario smith all right well i'm gonna go uh with my choice uh for another wide receiver santonio holmes um, Santonio was arrested and actually benched uh, by his team for pot in 2008. Um, he also posted something, a, some, a, a reference to cannabis on Twitter and then claimed his account was hacked. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's most of the time when people post something crazy and then say they got hacked, it's typically they just posted something crazy and then they say they got hacked as an excuse. Um, I'm going with Santonio. Uh, for my wide receiver, again, I think I have a, a solid, solid squad. Santonio is amazing. Yeah, that he he posted he was in trouble for weed, and then he he posted something about wake and bake, and then told everyone he got hacked. But nonetheless, he was a first round pick and Super Bowl MVP with the Steelers. So good pick there, San Antonio Holmes. 
Uh, you know what? Let's see here. I've got a couple running backs left on this list, but I have, I'm stocked on running backs. I'm going to go back to defense. Everyone who uh, knows me knows I'm a Jets fan. Sorry, I know. But I'm going with uh, Sean Ellis, defensive end, longtime New York Jet. He got suspended for pot in the, for the season opener of 2009, which was a good season for the Jets. Um, he was the first round 12th overall pick, a two-time pro bowler. He has 73 career sacks, and he helped lead my beloved Jets to the AFC Championship games in 2009 and 2010. Sean Ellis, uh, it's pretty cool that you did all that, and you're a bit of a stoner. <laughs> right. So uh, I'm also going to go on the defensive side, since there's only one uh, defenseman remaining. Uh, defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson suspended for four games in 2015 uh, for failing a marijuana test. So we'll keep it simple. We'll just go with Sheldon, and uh, and there you have it. Yeah, Sheldon Richardson. Uh, thank you, Dan. That's another Jet, although he's no longer a Jet, but the Jets drafted him. Yes, he, uh, he did get suspended for that failed test, but he was a first-round pick of the Jets, started off great, a defensive rookie of the year, believe it or not, and a pro bowler. So, uh, yeah, man, Sheldon Richardson. Okay, so this is the last pick in the draft here. This is the last one, and it's my pick. So I know I said I was stocked on running backs, but there's only one guy left, and I'm going to take him. And I actually like this pick a lot. I'm getting Aaron Jones from the Green Bay Packers. You know, he was suspended for the first two games of the 2018 season for violating the substance abuse policy. And uh, then he was stopped for speeding and caught with cannabis in the car. But Jones is currently one of the best running backs in the league. He led the NFL in rushing touchdowns in 2019. He was a pro bowler last year, and he's rushed for over a thousand yards in each of the last two seasons while adding 96 total catches in those seasons as well. So Aaron Jones, that's my guy. I think I got a pretty good team. Absolutely. I think, you know, this is how like fantasy teams should work too. You know, people should, should be, should be forced to only pick uh, players who've been busted for weed. Maybe we'll try that out next season. Yeah. And thanks for everyone for listening to our all cannabis NFL team and uh, apologies to the players who didn't qualify for this. There were a number of guys that also could have been on this, but uh, you know, we have to do this in a, in somewhat of a, a orderly amount of time. And that's our, those are our picks. So we hope you enjoyed that sports on drugs segment. Definitely. And uh, send us any, anybody you think we missed or anybody you think should be on uh, your team. And uh, we'll consider it. Just remember that, you know, there's lots of players who, who came out after their uh, careers were over or were busted uh, like Nate Newton, <laughs> 300 pounds or something like that. Uh, we're aware of them. Uh, we were trying to pick only the people who uh, were actually busted or suspended during their careers. Um, so, you know, people like Marshawn Lynch, uh, Nate Jackson, Eugene Monroe. Uh, even Calvin Johnson uh, are honorable mentions, but not uh, not eligible for this particular draft. Exactly. And a special shout out to uh, LeGarrette Blunt, the aptly named LeGarrette Blunt and uh, Le'Veon Bell, who got busted for weed together in a car. So that's awesome. Indeed. Indeed. Um, we have a great interview for you guys coming up after the break. Uh, we have Remo Colasanti, uh, also known as Urban Remo who is an amazing Canadian grower, activist, uh, award winner, someone who teaches many, many people uh, to grow their own and how to improve the quality of their cannabis. Uh, quite an impressive and uh, gentle and interesting person. 
in many, many ways. So we're very excited to have him on the show. Uh, please stick around. We will be back after this message with Remo Colasanti and more Grow Bud Yourself. Hey, you guys, I want to tell you guys about a sponsor of ours, Rocket Seeds. Uh, check them out at rocketseeds.com. They have a ton, I mean, over 500 different varieties of cannabis strains available. Uh, high quality seeds, great genetics. Uh, they ship worldwide, which is very important. Uh, reliable support. And they also ship for a variety of different seed banks. They've got feminized seeds, autoflowering seeds, regular seeds, uh, CBD seeds. A lot of people are looking for that. So check them out at rocketseeds.com or on Instagram, rocket underscore seeds. They are awesome and we are really happy to have them on as a sponsor. So check them out, blast off, and get your seeds from rocketseeds.com. All right, welcome back, and we have a very special guest for you guys this week. Uh, Remo Colasanti is a grower and medical cannabis patient based out of British Columbia, Canada, and uh, you may know him better as Urban Remo uh, on YouTube or many of the other social media <laughs> things, and actually on YouTube uh, has over a quarter million followers there, uh, close to half a million uh, online followers worldwide, teaching people how to grow for many, many years, and also has his own uh, brand of nutrients, Remo Nutrients. So we're going to talk about all that. But first, I'd like to welcome Remo Colasanti. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, this is awesome. I don't get out of the house much. So this is almost like getting out, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so why don't we start at the beginning and just, uh, I guess, let people know how you how you got started in cannabis, how you got interested in it and involved in in the world of of, uh, of weed. Okay, well, um, I was an enthusiastic cannabis smoker since I was 12 years old. I don't know, most kids try cannabis, and I seem to really enjoy it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is, I remember back then, I was like, wow, you know, maybe this is foreshadowing. I thought it, it would be great to actually grow cannabis one day and, you know, do it and grow your own cannabis. So um, then I graduated from school and uh, this is where it gets kind of funny. Uh, I moved out. So I was like, well, let's get a grow light and try growing weed. And uh, one of the things that motivated, motivated me to do this was there's a strain from uh, Sensi Seeds called Skunk Number One. And it was the best cannabis in the world, but it was very expensive. Uh, back at that time, they were selling it for $40 an eighth. So my whole reasoning was if I can get this strain and hang a light and grow my own, I'll save money and I don't have to buy it from the street and I'll be way ahead of the game and, you know, kind of in control of my own destiny. So uh, that, that's, that was my motivation to start growing cannabis. What year would you put that uh, at about your first plants? 1987. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> did you go over to Amsterdam to pick up seeds and all of that? Did you do the whole pilgrimage? No, at that point, uh, seeds were available in Vancouver. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people selling seeds and clones and etc. Where it's a very, I don't know if well, you've been here before. We have a, quite the old grow culture here, <laughs> quite the grow scene. It's old. School. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. I've been out on uh, on Vancouver Island, and <laughs> you know, it's like the whole economy is based on <laughs> on cannabis growing in some in some ways. 
Yeah, multi-generations uh, too. Uh, like, you know, it's added from one generation to the next. Um, I know with myself, I have my whole family involved with what I do. My son grows with me, who's 21 years old, and actually he's got his own grow. And my wife's got her own little thing going on, and uh, we all have grows going in. Everybody in the family grows. It's kind of cool. Absolutely. That is Even amazing. Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Even grandma. That's great. Um, so 1987, uh, and you spent, you know, uh, the next couple of decades, I would imagine growing, uh, in the underground. Uh, but then in 2001, uh, you became one of the first people in Canada to be allowed to grow. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of funny how that came about. I, I got into a car accident, uh, in, uh, 1993 and, uh, I was taking a lot of pills and I remember going to the doctor cause I was taking, uh, things to deal with the pain, anti-inflammatory things, and just co- a cocktail of pills. That, you know, everything uh, from Demerol to um, uh, uh, Percocets, uh, all kinds of really bad drugs, you know, Tylenol 3s. You take jars of them. They're not good for you. They destroy your liver. So I remember going to the doctor and saying, hey, you know, take me all these pills. It doesn't make me feel good. He gave me Ativan. And I said, what are these? And he goes, they're an antidepressant, so you're not so upset about taking all these pills. And I went <laughs> trying that for a week and I went back and I said, this isn't working. You got anything else? He goes, well, you smoke weed, don't you? You smoke weed. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, they're calling it medical marijuana in California right now. So uh, maybe just try smoking that and taking less of the pills. So I followed the doctor's orders. I just did exactly that. But, um, well, you know, I was growing like four lights and a few plants and I was figuring out okay, this is working for me because I broke my back and my neck. So, Growing my four lights, and I think I had like 30 plants, not, not, nothing huge. Um, I was supplying myself, and I was, I was doing okay. And then uh, then I got busted. <laughs> so th- this is kind of funny. So um, uh, what, what we did is uh, we had to go to court. And when I was going to court, um, my wife uh, wrote a letter to uh, the prime minister back then, was Jean Chrétien, and told her that I was a medical grower and I'd been busted and blah, blah, blah. And if there's any way that, you know, I can get a license to turn this on to um, the health minister. And the health minister just said, you know, find us a doctor, go doctor shopping, explain your situation, you know, and, and, and tell them that the cannabis works. So after about, and, and this is terrible. Uh, I went through a couple dozen doctors and believe me back then, and this is a stone age uh, of cannabis. When you talk to a doctor about cannabis, they look at you like you're wanting heroin or something, or, you know, some sort of weird hard drug. And I was trying to explain that I didn't like taking the drugs that have been prescribed and I'd rather do this for health reasons. And, uh, we finally found a doctor that agreed, signed my license. And then we went to court and, um, I, I got a, a full discharge, an absolute discharge. Like I was busted for growing weed. We showed up and I remember John Conroy, this is my first experience with John Conroy. He goes in the court and he goes, and funny thing is he read on my address and everything just before this. And there's all these people in the courtroom and he goes up in front of the judge and goes, this is ridiculous. Uh, your honor, I think the, I think these charges need to be uh, thrown out. Uh, my client is growing cannabis at his house as we speak. And everybody started laughing. And then the judge kind of adjourned and came back. And I got an absolute discharge. It was unbelievable. But the important thing about this is I set a precedent that many other medical users were able to use that were in the same predicament because there wasn't licensing back then. So what I ended up getting was something called a Section 56. And then uh, this allowed me to grow cannabis. And then what eventually happened is that they had this medical program, um, MMMER, uh, they, they made, and I was 
I think number 77 in the program he goes, but then I've been growing cannabis legally ever since. And it's been great. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, um, you know, they were talking, they were talking about, uh, possibly shutting down the medical program in Canada once they legalized. And I think you were involved in, uh, <laughs> in stopping the government from doing that as well. Right. Oh yeah. That, that was a crazy thing. We had to fundraise and then, uh, I actually had to take the stand, uh, uh, against a federal prosecutor for three hours and uh, as a professional girl witness and argue with her. And uh, it was the most insane thing. Actually, one of the funny things, funniest thing of the whole thing was at the beginning, because uh, they're trying to say that, you know, grows, um, you, you get mold, uh, you get fires and um, gangsterism. Those, those were the three arguments. So we got a bloom box from uh, BC, um, BC Northern Lights. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that in magazine. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, we wheeled it into the room. We plugged it in, and I started my presentation with, this is a grow room. We opened the doors, and the, you know, the HPS lights spilled out, and everybody's, whoa. <laughs> and I'm showing that it's a plug-and-play fixture, just like you you know get a washer, dryer. Uh, every, all the components were CSA approved, um, you know, all, all good parts in it. There's nothing in there that can burn except for maybe the cannabis, but it's a, a steel enclosure. And it's got a lock on it. It's got a, a charcoal filter to address the smells, and you can easily grow with this thing in your apartment in Vancouver safely and nobody would know the difference and uh the judge was impressed by this i was uh it was quite the moment <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i mean uh very interesting and you went from educating uh the government uh the judges and the prosecutors to uh posting content on youtube i guess starting around 2005 or so uh yeah. as as urban remo tell me a little bit about that well, I actually, I had a previous uh, channel that I got in a lot of trouble with. <laughs> uh, and it actually, it's still alive. I actually call it, I changed the name of it. I call it Rainbow Grows. And it's uh, got no content, but 65,000 subscribers. Um, and it keeps getting more. I don't know how. <laughs> uh, we started uh, Urban Grower, or Urban Rainbow, I should say, um, in 2010. And my whole uh, my whole thing with Urban, the Urban Rainbow channel was to push it harder than my last channel and do crazier things and show more weed. And uh, we did that and actually kind of morphed into uh, a cannabis review show. It's like one of the biggest cannabis review shows in Canada. Uh, every week uh, people send tons of weed because this is completely legal here in Canada. You can mail up to 30 grams to anybody you want. And it arrives at my office and we pick through it and take the best of the best and we show it and we smoke it, we rate it and, and it's crazy. And it's, uh, I'm really impressed uh, with the, all the different types we're getting, but the quality, just amazing. And what we do is try to give these strains justice. You know, if you're looking for a particular strain and how it grows and what it looks like, you can get a little information for a show from it. So it's kind of, and hash too. We made another program called hash Wednesday. And well, we get blocks of hash all the time. It's uh, kind of crazy. But, you know, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's pretty impressive. That is impressive, and I, I'm impressed by the size of the joints that you roll. Uh, I've actually partaken in a few of these uh, cannons, uh, Ramo cannons that you, <laughs> you roll these thumb-sized, uh, massive spliffs. We'll be blazing again soon. We just have to get through this crap that's happening in the world right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Brighter days ahead. Indeed, indeed. Now you've also won uh, a ton of awards in international uh, competitions. Tell me a little bit about uh, some of those awards and 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 what you're able to accomplish. Well, um, it, it's kind of funny. Um, back then, I guess we're a little bit ballsy, and uh, we entered high times with um, 
the High Times Cannabis Cup. This is when there was only one of them. Do you remember back then? I think it meant <laughs> oh, yeah. when there was only one. And we did it with Bonguru Seeds with the Rockstar, and we got a second place medal. And that was like, kind of got the whole thing rolling. And then we entered Spanibus, and I got a first place in Spanibus. And then we did tons of Canadian events and won stuff. Uh, and then we won, um, actually, actually, we formed a nutrient company, and then we won uh, Best Nutrient Company two years in a row as well with Lyft. So it's uh, it's been an interesting journey. But what's crazy is this, because of the internet, it's allowed uh, our company to go global and go around the world because we're, we're a small family company and we're currently in 35 different countries. We're pretty much on every continent, uh, which is insane. And we, we actually can market um, to the world like like the big guys because of YouTube and, and all our social media. And I'm actually quite grateful for that because it's given us a voice and it's given us an opportunity to show what we can do. And I believe I'm probably one of the only, well, one of the few week-to-week grow shows where I bring people into my garden every week and show them what's actually going on. And we do this with my son as well. He has a grow tent with four plants. And then I have my grow room with, uh, I think there's 50-something plants in there. And yeah, it's, uh, it's dramatic. <laughs> actually, I challenge the rest of the nutrient company uh, presidents and owners to uh, start growing cannabis and showing the world what they can do. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's great. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the the, the nutrient line and how, uh, how you developed it and, and what that's all about. Well, it's kind of funny. Um, all the information for rainbow nutrients was kind of in the public domain, but it's just like anything. If you can make a better wheel, you, you'll probably sell it. So um, we had a, we had a couple ideas in mind. We wanted to make a, a vegan line, so that's what we developed. And, and actually, it's not 100% organic. It's actually a blend of of um, some synthetics and some minerals and organics. And I figure by doing that, this is how you get the maximum uh, you know production, and you still get great flavor. So we're about Two-thirds, um, let's see, natural ingredients, uh, plant-based. And the other thing we wanted to do is we wanted to have, because uh, we've we seen the future of cannabis was going to be legal. And eventually they're going to be testing for things like heavy metals and other toxins and stuff like that. So um, we we strive to make one of the lowest heavy metals tests in the entire industry. And we've achieved that. We're uh, super low. Uh, we've got all our parts approved uh, for cannabis growing in Canada. It's kind of funny. We, um, there's about 400 what we call LPs in Canada. And uh, we're, we're currently in about 41 that we work with. So it's, uh, it's really exciting. And uh, actually, uh, one phoned me yesterday and wants me to come over and document how the nutrients are working on their plants. Uh, they're called Gnome Star Craft Cannabis. And uh, that video is probably going to be coming in the next two weeks out. Nice. Wow, that's great. Now, you're, you help thousands and thousands, if not hundreds and hundreds of thousands of growers all over the world uh, what are some of the more common uh, mistakes that you think growers make or ones that you've heard about or, or questions that you've gotten from people? Uh, you know, what do you think are, are, are some of the more common uh, issues that, that cultivators have? Well, uh, beginner um, cultivators, um, they, they have a tendency to give the plant, let's say, too much love. They uh, overwater. And we, we've come up with a, a a phrase, something to remember in the garden. And if you can do this and you can learn how to water a cannabis plant, well, you'll be very successful. But this is our phrase. If it ain't dry, don't apply. Don't give it too much love because you're drowning the plant. But you know, on the other side of the coin, if it's dry, apply because you don't want to wilt your plants. That's uh, just as harmful as overwatering. So, Because uh, when you overwater, you create conditions for uh, fungus nests start happening. The plant's literally choking on, 
on the nutrient solution that you're given. So it starts burning all the tips of the leaves. It is not happy. So let, you know, water the plant liberally, but let it dry out. You're right. I think they sometimes feel like they need to do something uh, every day. And what you really need to do is just observe, you know, every day, look on the undersides of the leaves and the surface of the growing medium and really look and act only when necessary. And I think that's a great lesson for people for sure. Now, now what about uh, things like uh, pests and fungus and mold? Like, you know, do you get, uh, do you frequently get people asking about that? And, and, and do you, do you show people how to deal with those type of things? Yeah, actually we do. And uh, it's funny in my room, uh, deal with, um, let's see, powdery mildew. We have uh, what's called an air sniper and it contains 650 watts of UVC lights and sterilizes all the air in the room. And I think clean air is one of the things that are commonly uh, looked, you know, it's overlooked. And uh, I run in a cold, you know, uh, actually an air conditioned room that's closed. So uh, there's no exchange with the outside. And, and this way you can kind of maintain a better environment. The, the other thing, you know what, uh, the best thing I've found uh, to deal with pests is actually we use biological pest control. We use Copert and they provide us with these little packets that we hang on the plants and they contain predator mites and the predator mites come out and they eat anything on the plants. And then actually the most effective thing I've ever seen to conquer thrips, and I know this is a common product problem because it usually comes in the garden with, with media, uh, is this product called Thripor. And it's this little bottle and it contains a thousand bugs. And you deploy these things, and I've never seen anything work like this. You watch them just crawl up the stalk. And I had a little bit of thrips at the beginning of the current crop that I'm working on, and I applied this product two times, none. And I've sprayed in the past, and at the end had a few, but kind of just kept them in control. This is the most effective thing I've ever seen. But more than that, why it's uh, important not to spray your plants is that if you use a lot of sprays and pesticides and fungicides on your plants, you end up um, plugging the stomata on the leaves, where they, they breathe and then they're not able to do the transpiration properly. And I know that actually affects your yields. So if you can minimize the spraying, especially in flowers, you shouldn't be spraying stuff on buds. Uh, bad idea. <laughs> Unless you really have to, but then maybe make a, a spot spray, but uh, minimize the spraying. It also washes off the crystal. seems when you do a heavy spray in a room and you're full, in full flower, uh, it'll be, Beautiful and crystally one day, you do your spray, and then everything kind of looks dull. So, uh, you know, common sense again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, as far as germination and, and, and uh, seeds and clones, do you prefer uh, one over the other, growing from seeds or growing from clones? Well, the funny thing is, it seems you get a little more vigor if you grow from good seeds, uh, a little more vigor and a little more production. But um, I, I don't know if you've heard what's happening all up and down the West Coast of North America there's a problem with a disease called the latent hop virus or dudding disease. But what it does is it um, kind of really affects uh, the amount of THC you have and the production. It just kills your production in half. And then let's say you're growing a 26% THC uh, strain, it'll be like six. And what I think's happened here is that uh, there's a lot of those big facilities because these are the ones that are affected. There's some of my clients as well. And unfortunately, I think this. Um, has made it into the legacy market now in British Columbia. Uh, what it does is it totally affects your thing. You have to throw everything out and start over again. And it comes from taking clones and picking plants, and it just passes from plant to plant, like through mechanical means. Like, let's say you're taking branches off with a pair of scissors or leaves, and you go from this plant to that plant. You've just transferred this disease from plant to plant. 
So this, the way not to transfer it is just to spray your scissors down with alcohol and you change your gloves and then move on to the next plant. But this is really hard for these guys that are run, you know running thousands and thousands and thousands of plants. They have a tendency just to run through there and work, and this is how it spreads. And also, you see, when I when I do my garden, I take more clones than I need, and I only plant the best. When you're doing a giant garden with thousands and thousands of plants, it sometimes you get forced into using um, stuff that you probably would not normally use. And then, unfortunately, uh, they've been cloning from this as well, so they're starting to get all the bad traits come out. So it's, uh, yeah, they did it to themselves. So the answer is is actually short and sweet. Um, they need to explore new genetics and they need to start practicing seeds and doing some pheno hunting. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so you you mentioned actually recently started uh, doing your own seed breeding as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, we're, um, we got a farm now called Cola Farms. And uh, one of the first things, we're trying to be uh, federally legal, so we're going to try to offer this eventually to the public legally. But uh, the first thing we've made is uh, we've taken uh, wedding cake and frosted fruit cakes, and uh, we crossed them, and we made our new first new strain called Wedding Frost. So I haven't made anything new since uh, the Rainbow Chemo days back in uh, well, that was a long time ago. With right, MC. that was with that was with Dynafem, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. The Rainbow Chemo, and that was uh, hugely popular, especially over in Spain, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it, well, what it did is it gave uh, the European people a taste of what West Coast weed is like, or stuff from Vancouver, anyway. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Um, now, what about harvesting? I feel like a lot of people uh, make their biggest mistakes after they're done growing. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about what you think of as like best practices for taking plants down and drying and curing. Well, you know what's funny is um, we tried many things, and my opinions have changed over the last few years. But this is what we arrived at. Um, we have a uh, we have air conditioning, so we get a room. Um, you just take my bedroom. I take everything out. I cut down all our plants. We, we clean the room up, of course, and we put the plants in, and we make it sixty degrees and sixty percent. And we just hang them. We, get, we strip a lot of the big, big leaves off. But we just hang them for two weeks, and then at, after two weeks, we start working them and just do a nice dry trim on them and. Yeah, you get a lot. It's a lot terpier, a lot more crystally looking. It's a little more airy looking, but um, you know, when you open the bag and you got that fantastic smell, it's great. But what we've learned by dry trimming, as long as it stays on that main stock, you can leave it for weeks even, and it'll still be sticky and will be workable. So, uh, yeah, don't take all the branches off and hang it on the line. Leave it on the main thing and hang that. So yeah, we're dry trimming now. It's just uh, it, it seems to be uh, the way of the future. Everybody's doing it now. Back in the, in the day, the only thing we ever did was wet trip. And it was a lot harder to achieve nice uh, smells that way. I feel like everyone has, is so much more interested in preserving those terpenes now. Yeah. Uh, and that cold cure that you're talking about, that cold, slow drying uh, and leaving those, those leaves on until, you know, the last minute to take them off after things are dry. I think clearly that's the way to go these days when you're, yeah when you're, you know, trying to do, uh, you know, preservation of, uh, those essential oils, uh, cause they're volatile oils, right? I mean, there's diff- different ones, uh, you know, dissipate at different temperatures, but those temperatures start pretty low. You know, I think, uh, you know, 75, 80 is way too high, uh, for a drying and curing area. So, yeah, uh, that's really interesting. I like that two weeks at 60, 60 degrees. And then, uh, and then start messing around with uh, taking some of those leaves off, the sugar leaves and that sort of thing. 
Now tell me a little bit about how people can find out more information about uh, you if they don't already know uh, where to, they can follow you on social media, YouTube and Instagram and all of that. Well, we got all the social media going. Um, actually, the main, my main thing is YouTube, um, Urban Rainbow on YouTube. Uh, we also have a 1-800 number. We've created a tech support line for growers, um, and it's one 855 Easy to remember. We have five operators standing by willing to answer any grow questions or any questions about the nutrients you may have. Um, actually, we have a social media team. So, um, you know, if you're having any problems or any issues, you can actually send pictures to us, and uh, we'll try to help you out. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, definitely subscribe to Urban Remo on YouTube. Uh, you put out uh, almost daily content. I would, I, yeah, it's, it's almost daily. And there's, uh, like you mentioned, there's lots of uh, grow information, but there's a lot of fun stuff there too, as far as uh, you trying out all the different uh, people's uh, weed and hash that they send. And uh, it's just, it's it's a really fun feed and very informative as well so thank you for that oh thanks danny yeah. uh, also i should mention at this point that uh we have a stoner rock band you heard of it that's right you have a band it's stoners. not just it's not just stoners it's uh mega stoners <laughs> and you're you're a heavy metal guy you're you're into the the old uh, 80s uh you know hair band real traditional old school metal right yeah you know it uh, reminds me of being young so um I enjoy uh, playing it, listening to it. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll be back to concerts soon enough, right? Well, you play the bass in the band, right? I do. I do. Uh, Actually, uh, we're in our last song. Uh, and then our love we'll a complete CD. And we're probably going to be uh, offering that. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Remo, uh, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I can't wait until uh, we can get together and actually blaze again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully sooner rather than later, for sure. Follow Ramo on all his socials, YouTube and Instagram. Uh, we will be back, but we are going to go out listening to Megastoner, Ramo's band in which he plays bass. And this is Live in the Sunshine from Megastoner. Hey guys, I want to tell you about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. They have an incredible line of organic fertilizers, uh, brand new legacy line as well, which is organic and some synthetics. A lot of really incredible tools for the modern gardener. So check them out at sweetleaf.com, S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F. Uh, the code 
Danko15 gets you 15% off of everything that you can get at Sweetleaf, which also includes uh, complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits, uh, a bunch of different apparel and merch, and their signature line of amazing nutrients. If you join our Patreon, uh, you can get even more codes for 20 or even 25% off of Sweetleaf Newts and other products. I want to thank them for being a sponsor, and as always, tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. Yes, this is a fortnight. And yes, this is a fortnight. Strain of the fortnight. What do you got for us? Uh, what do you got for us this week? Strain of the fortnight. <laughs> Strain of the fortnight. All right, welcome back, and uh, thank you to Remo for the awesome interview. That was great catching up with uh, with him in vancouver and uh now i believe we are at the point where we do our strain of the fortnight yeah man <laughs> here we go strain of the fortnight what do you got for us this week yes i should mention strain of the fortnight is brought to you by rocket seeds and you can check them out at rocketseeds.com they are your one-stop shop for premium cannabis seeds they have over 500 strains available high quality um, they ship worldwide, they have very reliable support, and they have everything. They have feminized autoflowering, regular CBD, uh, fast version, uh, lots of information on their site, a uh, toll-free number that you can contact them on. So thank you to Rocket Seeds for being the sponsor of our strain of the fortnight. And that strain this fortnight is Black Cherry OG Feminized. Now, the Black Cherry OG uh, is actually out of the, like, Granddaddy Purple camp. Um, this is, like, the Ken Estes uh, camp of Granddaddy Purple that's been around for a long time. And basically, they took the GDP, or the Granddaddy Purple, and crossed it with Ken's OG to make the Black Cherry OG. And this is a feminized version. It's available from Rocket Seeds, so you can check it out on their site. Um... It's very interesting. It's not a huge yielder, uh, so growers aren't super duper psyched on it, but it's got amazing flavor and uh, scent. Uh, and the scent kind of unfolds gradually. So it, you kind of, it's like a sweet berry tea and then becomes a bit of a blueberry spice aroma. And then finally you get hit with that like black cherry. Uh, and that black cherry OG really hits hard. Um, it's very berry, like I mentioned with the cherries, but there's also some spiciness to it from the OG. Uh, so it's really interesting. It's a nice mix of like that fruity and spicy flavor. So there's the berry flavor, but there's also, um, a very kind of invigorating spiciness that you get from the OG side of things. Um, really nice high, uh, very euphoric not your typical like indica dominant high even though it is an indica dominant hybrid it does have that euphoric effect but uh a bit sedative as well so very good for insomnia uh bipolar anxiety uh stress you know mild cases of ptsd which we all have these days it's it, it enhances your mood so uh that can be really beneficial especially 
uh, these days, and especially for people with depression. Um, as far as body, uh, very good for cramps, muscle tension, uh, nausea, spasms, things like that. So really versatile medicinally, um, and really a great strain. You can grow it indoors or outdoors. Uh, it likes it to be a little warm. I mentioned it's not a huge uh, yielder, but still, you know, you can get eight to 10 ounces indoors pretty easily uh, per plant. And outdoors, you can probably get a bit more for sure, uh, depending on that veg time. Um, the buds are very dense. Uh, they have long amber pistils. If you do expose it to cool temperatures uh, late in the flowering time, it will turn purple uh, like that granddaddy. Uh, and that's interesting too, because with that name, Black Cherry OG, um, it can have some really amazing bag appeal when it does turn purple. So uh, if you do want to kind of shock it a little bit with that cold temperature, you can make that turn purple. Um, so check it out, Black Cherry OG Feminized. Uh, you can get them from rocketseeds.com. And that is our strain of the Fortnite. All right, man. That's a solid strain of the Fortnite. We encourage everybody to go check out Rocket Seeds and uh, and start growing some great quality genetics. So uh, we're going to take a little break, then come back with our cultivation segment, which includes a grow tip from Danko and questions from our listeners. All right, we are back, and our growth segment is sponsored by Diamond Cut Co. Trimming Scissors. These are premium quality trimming scissors made by growers for growers with conscious ergonomic designs. We know what trimming's like. We know what uh, drug jail and trim jail is like when you're in there for hours just doing the same repetitive thing over and over. Very important that you use the right equipment, and Diamond Cut Co. has the right equipment. So remember the code DANKO20 for 20% off. Check them out on Instagram. Check out their website, diamondcutco.com, and tell them Grow Bud Yourself sent you. Yeah, do that. Thank you to Diamond Cut Co. And um, we are now in the cultivation segment, and each week, Dan likes to discuss a grow topic that will ultimately help you become a better cultivator. So what would you like to discuss this week? So I want to discuss a term uh, that people throw around, and the words are hybrid vigor. And a lot of times people will talk about hybrid vigor, um, but not really quite understanding exactly what it means. Um, now, hybrid vigor has been around long before cannabis. It goes back to, uh, you know, fruits, vegetables, wheat, all kinds of things that uh, we have out there in the world. And what geneticists have discovered is when you cross two very different strains, uh, such as a sativa from Africa and an indica from India, let's say, what you get from that cross is the F1 cross. That's the first filial cross. And because those strains are very different, um, the seeds from that pairing are going to perform with more gusto than either of their parents. This is a really interesting thing that happens with genetics. And this is how you're able to find uh, new genetics in the world. And this is how we're able to create uh, stra strains of wheat uh, or corn that can withstand colder temperatures and that kind of thing. So hybrid vigor is very important. Now, it's also important to remember uh, that even though you get that hybrid vigor from that first filial cross, 
um, the next time you do that cross, the F2 cross, will not result in hybrid vigor. So it's only that first filial generation that's going to benefit from that vitality and the strength of hybrid vigor. Um, now, when you purchase seeds, you're purchasing all kinds of different things. There's polyhybrids, there's F1 crosses, there's F2, F all the way to you know F25 if, if you know you want to go that route. Uh, and what that has to do with is not uh, hybridization so much and not hybrid vigor, but stability and creating uh, strains that perform in similar fashion. So there's two very different things here happening. So when you get that F1 first filial cross and you have hybrid vigor, you're also going to have a lot of different variation in that cross. Uh, plants behaving like the mom, plants behaving like the dad, and then plants behaving completely differently. And that's the vigor. So um, I guess, you know, if you're a grower and you want to take advantage of hybrid vigor, uh, rather than breeding your own strains, you're going to want to look for F1 hybrids that are from two very distinctly different parents. Now, I learned a lot about this from uh, Robert Connell Clark's book, Marijuana Botany. Uh, that's got a lot of great information uh, Greg Green's uh, Cannabis Breeders Bible uh, that has a lot of great information as well. And what you what you learn is that you know these different terms have very specific meanings. So back crossing is very different from uh, you know hybrid vigor or all these other things. But stabilizing genetics and growing out large populations, choosing those po from those populations wisely, those are all. Uh, different breeding terms that you learn and you can learn to take advantage of these things as well. And that's why when I tell people, if you're looking for a mother plant, right, and you're going to be taking clones from that plant for lots of different crops, you know, over and over, you want that mother plant to have that hybrid vigor. So you want to grow out a strain that's crossed from two very different parents and you want to choose very wisely which mother plant uh, you want to pick to keep as your, you know, your keeper pheno. And in that way, you'll have hybrid vigor even in the clones from the mother plant. So that's really kind of what that boils down to. And I think a lot of people think if they just buy a pack of seeds, uh, pop them, figure out which ones are the females and turn those into mother plants, that they're going to have great uh, strains. But the reality is, is they did no pheno hunting at all. And if you do that pheno hunting, you will really find the keeper uh, and the keeper pheno will determine whether you have basically like B grade or A grade buds. And I think it's really important. Uh, a plant will only perform up to what its genetics are capable of. And if you want to do this stuff yourself, just keep in mind, you don't want to cross, you know, an OG Kush with, uh, you know, a lemon Kush. You want to cross... Uh, an OG Kush with a uh, lemon haze, you know? So that's what you really want to, you want to do two very distinctly different things. And that's how you get hybrid vigor. And you only get it in that first generation uh, of progeny. So choose wisely. All right. Makes sense. Excellent grow tip. And now it is time to move on to the portion of the show where uh, Dan answers questions from our listeners if you have a question that you would like answered on this show, get in touch with us. You could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we jump right in? Let's do it. 
Terrific. All right, so let's start out with that bloke who writes, Hey guys, uh, hopefully I could tap into the font of knowledge that is Danny once again. Hmm. Uh, you uh, you mentioned that weed can stay nice and fresh for up to 12 months if stored properly. My question is related to decarboxylated flour. I used my FX machine to decarb my harvest and I stored it in jars in a cool dark place. Uh, there is little to no moisture as it's decarbed, but how long will it retain its potency and efficacy? I plan to smoke some of it, but mainly use it in oils or topicals. Hope you could help. So, uh, yeah, what would you say to that bloke? Interesting. Yes. Um, huh. Wow. I would not rec- really... This is a good... I, n- inter- I never heard of someone decarbing the harvest. Have you? No. I mean, I've heard of them doing it right before they plan to make edibles or, you know, topicals or, or oils or tinctures or whatever it might be. But not but to not, store it. Not pre... Yeah, not to store it. So that's something interesting that I've not... Uh, heard of in the past. And I think maybe we can ask uh, our friend Chanel from Ardent about this because uh, I would I would think personally that you would want to store your flour uh, as is, basically just dried and cured or freeze-dried if that's the route that you choose to take, um, and then decarb it right before you plan on doing something with it. So if you're going to make edibles, you're going to make topicals, I would decarb the flour basically shortly before I did whatever it was I was going to do with that decarbed flour. You wouldn't want to smoke flour that's been decarboxylated, would you? I don't think I would personally. I mean, I think for me, decarboxylation is more about uh, uh, activating the, you know, turning that THCA into THC. And that happens naturally when you when you smoke, but so as you know your joint is burning or your bowl is burning, uh, that's happening. But when you're doing that with topicals or oils or that sort of thing, and and there's no heat involved, then uh, you have that issue where you need to decarboxylate. So I, I I've not a I I think we need to get Chanel on the show and talk about this because it's a very interesting subject and I don't know too much. Uh, as far as the science behind it, like, you know, I, I, my assumption is uh, that once you decarb your flour, uh, you know, there's a, a window there of potency and, and efficacy, and that window is going to diminish. But that may not possibly, possibly that might not be the case. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. I personally would keep my flowers stored in a cool, dark place, and I would decarb them only right pr- prior to working with them in some in some fashion all right uh well you stumped us a little bit but thank you that bloke um let's move on to donkey farmer who writes danny and mike last year uh, i bought a clone i transplanted it into a five gallon bucket and the clone leaves went from dark green to faded green with some turning yellow the clone lived and eventually looked better and produced good flower this year i bought two clones and some organic potting soil transplanted it into five gallon buckets and the same thing is happening the dark green leaves turned yellow but the new growth is growing in dark green and looks good is the process of transplanting so disruptive that this just always happens or am i doing something wrong with the soil or nutrients i'm not sure how to tell if my soil has the right nutrients for my new clones so uh what would you say to donkey farmer yeah i mean typically 
plants do go through transplant shock. So when you take the plant out of its container, you disturb the roots, and you put it into a new container, you know, it's going to take at least a few days to get over the shock of that, even if you do it very, very gently, which I highly recommend. Um, at the same time, you're putting it into uh, a fresh uh, nutrients, fresh soil, and the plant can react to that as well. If that soil is too hot uh, or doesn't have enough nutrients in it, the plant is going to react accordingly as well. So you can compound the shock that the plant feels uh, by putting it into a medium that it's not ready to be in. Now, as you mentioned, the plants eventually recover. This shouldn't take more than a week. I mean, even five or six days is, is probably pretty long for a plant to recover. But here's the, here's the good news. If you transplant your plant uh, into a larger container and you see that the, the, the growth, you know, the plant goes through a little bit of shock for a couple of days, three or four days, uh, but then the new growth is healthy and green and everything's fine, then you really have nothing to worry about. That plant has acclimated to its new soil and its new container, and those roots are now working their way into that uh, that fresh uh, medium, and the plant is at that point uh, established in its new container. Uh, the thing you got to worry about in some cases is if the nutrients are too strong in that container, um, that could burn the plant, or if there's practically no nutrients, you know, that could be a deficiency issue. Uh, but, you know, all plants go through some, a certain amount of shock when they're transplanted. The more gentle you can be during that process, the better. But uh, ultimately, you know, you, you want to do all your transplanting during veg. You don't want to do this during flowering because it will uh, affect the uh, ultimate yield that you're going to get. And it will cut uh, at least four or five, six days off of your flowering time. So uh, keep in mind, do any transplanting like this in veg unless uh, absolutely necessary and uh, just monitor the plants so that they bounce back from the shock of transplantation. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Donkey Farmer. We appreciate the uh, question. Let's move on to Izzy. Izzy writes, uh, hey guys, I'm moving to a new state and I was wondering if it's possible to transplant my plants in veg and if so, what would be the best way to do so? Oh, yeah, it's a very similar question, but uh, coming at it from a different uh, way. So, okay, transplanting plants in veg, like I mentioned uh, with the previous question, is the only time you really want to do it. Uh, is during the vegetative stage. If you do it during flowering, it's only going to cut down uh, your yield. And the only reason I would ever recommend that is if you were very, very root-bound. Uh, and in that way, you would actually hopefully have a bigger yield if you did transplant. But um, if, if you're planting properly and you have the proper container size and you're in veg and now you're ready to transplant into a larger container, the first thing you want to do is uh, water thoroughly so that all your grow medium will stay together. If you don't do that and you try to tap that plant out um, and, and the medium is dry, it's going to crumble and fall all over the place and, and you're going to damage the roots and, and do a lot more shocking and, and damage than, than you were planning on. So thoroughly water the plant. Uh, then uh, prepare the container that you're going to have the, the plant in so that uh, it spends as little time 
during this process uh, exposed as possible. So you have your, your fresh container, you put some, some soil or whatever the medium that you, you're using in that container, um, leave space obviously for the amount of, of, of root ball and soil that's gonna come off of your smaller container. And at that point, you're ready to transplant. So uh, what one, the thing that I would I do is I would basically hold the plant um, very carefully uh, with one hand on the top and one hand on the bottom of, of the container, uh, gently uh, flip the plant over and basically just carefully try to release the, 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 the soil or the, or the medium from the container. And you can do this by kind of uh, gently kind of mushing the container a little bit, uh, turning it slightly and just trying to release that. And, and once it releases into your hand, uh, then you just have to be very gentle and careful at that point, you have your uh, your roots are exposed, and you can loosen them up just a little bit with your fingers uh, before you place them back into the uh, fresh new container. Uh, but be gentle, be careful. Uh, you know, put it gently back in, into the new container, and then backfill uh, your medium, whether it's soilless mix or what it might be, in around the sides of it gently. Push that medium down so that it's. Uh, level and then water it in uh, again so that those roots are now uh, in in from the fresh wet container that you had them in into uh, the wetness of the new medium and your roots will at that point hopefully acclimate to that and your transplant will be complete uh, just got to remember to be gentle in this process uh, roots will find you know, as soon as they realize that there's fresh new soil and, and, and nutrients, they're going to go for it. Uh, so as long as you're gentle in this process, you will have a very healthy transplanted plant. And once those roots have lots of more room to uh, expand, you will see the plant actually uh, grow more quickly and rebound very quickly from that as well after the initial shock of the transplantation. All right, great. Thank you, Izzy. And uh, let's, uh, we got time for one more here. So let's go to D-Man, who writes, uh, Hey, Danny and Mike, I've been listening to your podcast from day one, and I really enjoy your vibe. Uh, two things. Over the years, I've been having issues with caterpillars, and I started putting my plants on garden carts, and I put them in an enclosed hoop house every night when the sun goes down so the moths don't lay their eggs. Before this, I noticed moths flying around after the sun goes down. It has been working very well, and it works well for anyone with a smaller crop and with autos as well. So that was a tip, and, uh, and there's also a question. Uh, I would like your feelings about pHing with organic veg and bloom fertilizers. I always pH uh, because when I test my newt mix, it looks very acidic. The manufacturer says there is no need to do so, uh, what do you think? So, um, what would you say there to D-Man? Okay, uh, first I would say thank you for the tip. That's great. Um, caterpillars, that's an interesting one. I did not realize that the moths only lay their eggs at night. So that is a really interesting tip. You can put the, the plants in a hoop house and the moths can't get to them, uh, can't lay their eggs and won't end up with uh, those caterpillars that can be really devastating and eat your plants. And I always recommend uh, for people who have uh, the ability 
to have, you know, chickens or ducks or something like that around to eat those caterpillars. Those are great too. Um, but I think that's an interesting tip. As far as pHing with organic veg and bloom, um, I recommend pHing everything. So, uh, you know, obviously synthetics can throw pH off a little bit more in a lot of ways than organics. But, and I think that's why, uh, you know, the manufacturer said there was no need uh, to pH. But to me, it's so much more useful and it takes so little time uh, to test the pH. As long as you're in like the decent range, you're fine. And if you test it and you know it's in that range, you got nothing to worry about. If you don't test it, uh, you don't know what's going on with it. So I recommend uh, adjusting and testing and adjusting pH no matter what kind of fertilizers you're using. And I even would recommend it with plain water, depending on where you're getting your water. You could have well water, you could have reservoir water. Um, God forbid if you're in Flint and you have Flint water, um, if you're using reverse osmosis, whatever it might be, uh, water is very different no matter where you are. And fertilizers respond to water very differently. Uh, so I would mix my fertilizer into my nutrient solution and then test for pH and then adjust pH and then water. And remember, uh, you know, you also don't want to use very cold or very warm water either. You basically want uh, room temperature water. You don't want to shock the roots uh, with cold or hot or high or low pH or uh, really high newts. So, you know, the, the water is life. And, you know, whether you're growing hydroponically or organically in soil, the water is so vital and important uh, that you really should be testing it at all times. All right, there you go. We uh, we hope that helps you out there, D-Man. And uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in this week. If you have a question that you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. You could email us. That is, of course, uh, info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, what do you say we take a little break, then come back and wrap this sucker up? Let's do it. All right, we are back, and it's time for the wrap. It is episode 51. I think uh, we did the aliens proud. <laughs> we'll never know, because we're not allowed into Area 51, but uh, this is episode 51. It's brought to you by Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Diamond Cut Co. Trimming Scissors, Rocket Seeds, Vapor.com, uh, as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. You, Mike, uh, are incredible, wonderful co-host and producer. Thank you to Remo Colasanti. Thank you also to Sandra, who uh, is his better half and helped us arrange uh, to have Remo on the show. Uh, thank you to you guys for listening and participating. Thanks to all the Patreon supporters. Uh, if you're not on there for just $4.20 a month, uh, you can add your name to the list of Patreon supporters that we have. I think there's 68 or 70 people on there now. Uh, we'd love to get that over 100. Uh, we really do appreciate all the support you guys give us. Um, there's lots of cool things you get for, for joining as well. I mean, you get stickers. You get a copy of my book. You get uh, Sweet Leaf Nutrients uh, delivered right to your home. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff that you get. Uh, as a Patreon supporter as well. Uh, please subscribe on YouTube. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. You guys are rad. We love you. Uh, 
It's a long show, so I'm going to keep it nice and short. But uh, episode 51. All right, let's put it in the books. <laughs>